You are listening to Master Coaching with Ajit, a podcast that inspires coaches to impact lives of their clients more meaningfully. I am Coach Ajit, and I'm known for coaching high performers, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm also a serial entrepreneur and author of many books. On this podcast, I am answering your burning questions. I'm also demonstrating and deconstructing behind-the-scenes coaching sessions. Is there something that is on your mind that you want to have a discussion around? Yes, it's something that has been kind of gathering a lot of bandwidth in my brain. And I fear it's becoming a little bit of a limiting belief. And it's essentially that there's tension forming within me as a business, which when I set it up three years ago, you know, right into a pandemic, it was so hard to get it off the ground. And now I'm in this really lovely place. Like Pia from three years ago would have dreamed of being in this place. And it's all starting to grow. But then I'm developing this tension with, it's pulling me more away from my family. It's pulling me away from quality time with my son. And I'm starting to question, is this the right time for me to have my business take off the way it is when I'm a mother of such a young child and we're planning our second, you know? And like, you know, it was a year and a half and we want to go and do this whole thing again. And that's like, when I had Enzo, we were in the middle of a pandemic. I wasn't working because my business wasn't working. And like, I can't imagine a more different environment now. And I read all these business books, like I could read them all day and like things like, you know, Monty Moran, um, what he did for Chipotle and Herb Keller, what he did for Southwest Airlines. And I actually, I love the lessons in them. But Ajit, when I'm reading behind the words, I'm like, you weren't looking after your kids. You, you had a wife at home looking after your kids. And I can really hear that. You know, I've done a whole analysis of my time. I'm, I'm up for 16 hours a day because I want to sleep eight hours a night. I look after Enzo for five hours of that day, um, Monday to Friday, because then he's in crash. And I'm I'm trying to maximize that time. But then when I'm, I'm over with clients, I'm gone all day. I'm gone before he's awake and I'm home after he's in bed. And I don't want that either. So I'm just experiencing this tension between my dreams of, for my business and my dreams as a mother. Mm-hmm. So from what I'm hearing or what I'm understanding of what you're asking for is that as the business is growing, you seemingly are getting increasingly busy. And so the life that you had with Enzo before, which had abundance of time, seemed to be constrained to a certain number of hours every single day, five to be precise, on a regular day. And sometimes even not that, depending on if that's a day of travel or somewhere where you're working with the client and hence you have to travel to the client and back from the client and so forth. And in those days, you might not even get that time with your kid. And currently you're conflicted if you have to make a choice because it seems like the successful entrepreneurs that train are training for business and optimization and hard work, but they're not necessarily understanding or feels like that they didn't really have that balance of family while they had success of business. Does that summarize of what you were trying to share with me? Did I miss a point somewhere? Yes, that's a really good synopsis of it. It's, I suppose it's the time thing, I can work that out myself, but it's the belief that is forming in my head that as a woman of very young children, you can't have it all. And is this the right time for me to be doing all of this when mm-hmm. I have such young kids and planning a second? Mm-hmm. Pia, do you know, and we talked briefly about means, goals and end goals. Do you yeah. have a tentative idea or kind of a vision of what would an ideal life for you look like? My ideal life is one where I have the freedom to make decisions that I want to make based on what I want to do rather than 
something that society dictates um, and that I have enough money, not to the point that it's too much enough money so that we have the freedom to choose what we want to do. And I want to be able to, like I grew up with parents who were both entrepreneurs and they loved their jobs. And I remember talking to them and saying, do you like working? And they loved it. So I, I want to create a career that I love and that I enjoy, but I also don't want it to be out of balance with my family life so that I can enjoy my family as well. I think the, the overarching vision for my life is balance. Mm-hmm. So Pia, you said something that's very interesting. You said, I want my life to be designed around the freedom and the joy that I want, freedom that you want in your life. And you don't want it to be defined by society. Would you be curious to lean into, would it be a definition of society if you were listening to say, because you referenced his name, Monty Moran, his life and his experience of entrepreneurship to be a reflection of what society expects of us? Yes. Mm-hmm. The reason why I wanted to bring your attention towards it is while you have general idea of I want a balance in life, what I feel may be a little bit more interesting and a further exercise to do is to really clearly define what that balance looks like. And the reason for that is what you would find very interesting, and I'm sure you've experienced this and you will experience this if you haven't already, is that definition of balance is subjective to the person that you're talking to. That balance doesn't mean the same for everyone because the understanding of the word balance or the understanding of what balance looks like in life is different based on circumstances and desires of the person. Like my father was a very balanced human being. He had no desire to make money. I mean, he had, but he just wanted to have enough money that he could take care of his kids. And that's pretty much it. So his balance looked like him taking care of his parents. So he would literally work from home at that time. He would run his business out of home because my grandmother had cancer. And so he could take care of her, right? So he could be just there all the time. So if she needed anything and he wanted to spend 10 minutes with her, he could do that, right? Mm -hmm. That is a definition of balance. Beautiful. But he had no desire to make a lot more money than what he was making. So that may not fit your definition of balance. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know Monty and I don't know individuals that may be inspiring to you, but they may have a definition of balance that may be conflicting to the definition of balance that you have. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Balance is defined by the person or what balance looks like. What is also interesting to note is that balance, if it's consistent, is actually incredibly boring. Like, let's try to think mm-hmm. something about, you know, a balanced diet. Let's say you had a balanced diet every single day of your mm-hmm. life. It was chicken and rice. Let's just assume that, right? Because that's what a lot of people who are building muscle try to eat every single day. Do you think that's exciting to boil chicken and eat rice every single day? No, those diets drive me insane. But that's a balanced diet though, right? Mm. But it's an incredibly boring balanced diet. Mm. So balance is also interesting until it's achieved. Once it's Mm. there, more likely than not, what is going to happen is your innate desire of wanting variety in your life which is as important to a human being as is certainty, it would create tangents in your life or you would want to create tangents in your life that actually disrupt the balance, right? So inherently, we all as individuals want our deepest, deepest desires that sit like unconsciously for a lot, probably all of us, is we always are seeking power and we are always seeking certainty, irrespective of whatever you do in life. If nothing else, you want power over your future, power over whatever's happening or control of the situation that's around you, which is certainty or a desire to certainty, right? So that's always going to be the underlying narrative of us as human beings, where we seek power in a relationship, Mm -hmm. in life generally, in our careers, even in context of we want to be more powerful than the universe, right? So we want always power and then we always want control or certainty in our life. 
right? Because that makes us feel safe. Mm -hmm. At the same point in time, the reason why we like uncertainty or when we like uncertainty is when we have certainty. Yeah. Right? So we don't like uncertainty when we don't have any certainty in certain areas of our life where we don't feel safe. We actually mm -hmm. hate uncertainty, right? Yeah. But the moment you are a little bit certain, say you achieve balance in life, you go, I need some uncertainty to create variety in my life, right? Mm. Why am I talking about all of this? It's because I think the first thing that we need to do is to define what is also known as the perfect day exercise. Now, this exercise mm. comes from a gentleman that I attended a class with. His name is Frank Kern. And that's where the first time I heard of this exercise. And then this exercise has then been evolved into many different variants. I've heard it in different ways in different places. But basically, the exercise asks you to write down as if you were unfolding the perfect day. You don't have any limitations, no restrictions. You don't have to think about, do I have the money? Do I not have the money? Do I have the resources? Do I not have the resources? Do I have the skills? Do I not have the skills? Because you're not writing the perfect day for next week. You're writing the perfect days for like two years, three years from now, five years from now, even if that's where you want to project into. The reason why you want to write that perfect day is because that perfect day will actually bring your attention to what's important to you right now. Yeah. Right. So while this perfect day is into the future and you will achieve that perfect day in three to five years from now or even sooner, what will happen is immediately your focus will come to what is actually important to you. Right. A lot of times there is like, let's say, for example, and I'm not saying this is true for you, Pia. I'm just reflecting on what I've heard in experiences from people around is say a mother sometimes feels that they should be with their children, not because they feel that the kid's not taken care of but because they feel guilty about it, right? And guilt is not a great mm. place to operate from when you are trying to be an expression of love because you will feel, not right now, but in future, there's a potential, not that you will, but you, there's a potential that you would feel your career was sacrificed because of your children. Yeah, right? yeah. And that's not a fun place to be in a mother-child relationship because you unconsciously would treat them as if they killed your career, right? Mm. Or they were not contributing to your career or you were limited because of the role that they played, which is a beautiful role in your life. But because you associated guilt, it doesn't yeah. create that joy that it should be in a mother-son relationship or a father-son relationship. You don't want to yeah. operate from guilt. You don't want to feel guilty to be spending or not spending time with them. You want to be empowered to spend time with them. Yeah. Now, the reason why I'm bringing attention to all these different variants is because what I would love for us to do is to operate and dissociate the guilt that maybe if that is present to saying, oh, that's why I need to spend time with my kid because I'm feeling guilty because there are alternate ways. And we'll talk about that later. But while we do the perfect day, and we're going to take maybe four or five minutes here to draft out some initial thoughts that you might be having around your perfect day. It's not enough time to write your perfect day. Of course, you probably want to take yes. 20 minutes over some calm music to do that. But at least some initial thoughts, we can keep the conversation going, right? Mm -hmm. So what would that perfect day look like for you? Is something coming to you immediately? See, this I've struggled so much with the perfect day exercise in the sixth phase because my perfect day has all, and this is where I, I think by the word balance, I actually mean I want to be in alignment and I'm like a juxtaposition in all the things that I want. I want to have this incredible relationship with my kids and I, I love being out in nature with Enzo and I, I love all that side and I love cooking everything from scratch and getting him involved and all these things. But I also see my business as my mission. I've been put here to do this. Like this for me is not, it's, this isn't just a lifestyle business or anything. I can see the fundamental problems in our foods, fix them. And so my perfect day is I'm out with my client. We're having these, this incredible 
workshops and I'm, I'm helping these really struggling businesses to turn around and, and to make them profitable for the future. But then I'm also spending time with my son and I'm, you know, and I'm doing that and I'm having great connection time with my husband. It's like, it's all these things. And because of the nature of the, of the business that I'm in, a lot of the time I'm down in factories in the West of Ireland or the North of Ireland or all over the place. I'm, it's not really done like this yet. Now I know that will change. So I'm called away quite a lot. And the more that I become successful in the business, the more I've been pulled away. So I feel conflicted in what my ideal day would be. Does that sound so crazy? It's not crazy. It's basically the part that you're missing about the perfect day is you must suspend what is your reality right now. And the yeah, reason okay. why you must suspend what is your reality right now is because then you're not defining your perfect day. What yeah. you're defining is your constraints. That yeah. cannot be your perfect day if it is full of constraints. Okay. And to create a reality that does not have constraints, you must be able to imagine a reality that does not have constraints. Okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And to be able to do that, you then have to first suspend the constraints that you have. So what you're doing is you're trying to make sense of an exercise that originates from the idea of saying everything is possible. So it is possible for you to have quality time with your partner. It is possible for you to have enough time with your kids. It is possible for you to have the second child and have a thriving business, which allows you to travel as well as many times as required, while also thriving financially in that business. If all of that was possible, what would be a perfect day look like, right? The reason why we operate from that reality is because right now, when we look at a problem, we try to solve the problem from the way we look at the problem, then all we can see is what we can see. What we can't see is what's possible. Yeah. Right. So what if we suspended all these constraints? And that's why I asked to lean into three years into the future or five years into the future. So you're not constrained with what is, but what Mm. can be. Yeah. I want to share a quick story with you. So in my career, I was in a similar paradigm at a point. Mm. I had just quit being CEO of Mindvalley and moved on to build my own career, which involved coaching, also building a company on the side or parallel. And we decided to have a child. And I decided that I don't want to be that father that is not available for his child. I want to be able to spend enough time with my kid. At that time, only one. Now I have two. And that time I was like, okay, so I'm going to find a way. I'm going to put myself to task. Mm Because I imagine my future into saying, I will spend time with Nita, I will spend time with my child, and I will be incredibly successful, right? And so I said, this is how my day is going to unfold. And that day also involved place where I would live, how I would travel to work, if I'll travel to work, and so on and so forth, right? So, because I don't like working from home. So I had a vision of an office that I get to, right? And how it looks and how it feels and so forth, right? So I said all of those things and I wrote down all of those things, right? What it did for me is it gave me permission to think not in context of what the world wants me to live, but how I want to live. So what I was able to do then is I was able to test certain experiments. I said, what if I worked only four or five hours a day? Because I want to spend time with Nita. I want to, especially yeah. early childhood of my kid, which is like super tiny. I want to be able to spend time with him. And then yeah. I did the same when I had Isla, which is my daughter. Yeah. Is to say, I want to spend a lot of time with them when they're really, really small. Because the first seven years are supposed to be formative. And I want to be involved. I don't want them to feel yeah. like dad's not there. Right. So I said, I'm going to only work four or five hours a day, which I do even till date. I maybe do about more six or seven hours now. Yeah. But that's pretty much it where my buck stops. Like that's a big day if I've spent seven hours working. 
Usually it's reading or doing other things because now my kids also go to places to hang out and make friends and have a social life, which I like about them, which was a conscious yeah. decision we made. But that's where I said, but I could only create it, not because I looked at my constraints, but because I looked at my possibilities. I said, I want to get to that life and I'll find a path to get to that life. You see, time is a concept that is very interesting because mm-hmm. time, we feel like we must fit the need of time. But I think time is the other way around. Time fits to our needs. If we need more time to do something, it will give it more time. If we don't need that much time to do it or we want it to be done sooner, it just happens to be done sooner. And I found mm-hmm. that even till date. I, like, I would put myself to task, give me an entire day to make a presentation and give an hour to make a presentation. And I'm done in an hour. Yeah, I'm absolutely yeah. done. It's, it's complete. I'm like, what? Why did I give myself an entire day for something that Mm. I could have done in an hour? And I would find that day after day after day. Even today, I make that mistake sometimes. I used to go, oh, I've given myself all the space, but I didn't need all the space. And that's true for all of us about everything. See, the interesting thing is, it's not only about spending more time with our kids, it's about spending quality time with our kids. Completely. Right? The memories that they actually remember. So... With all of that in mind, do you feel something's coming through for you as I'm sharing all that information with you to say, oh, now my perfect day does seem achievable and this is what comes to me? Yes. I mean, first of all, it was really cool hearing about you experiencing that tension as well, because it's just not something people talk about. So my perfect day would be one where I have all this space. I'm able to wake up before everyone's awake in the house, have time to myself. Um, do my meditation, do my yoga, do my bit of journaling and then go get my son, wake him or, you know, when he wakes up and then, you know, a nice breakfast together where we can have that moment of connection. And I, I'm a huge believer in you connect over food, that it's not just about fuel, it's about actual connection um, so that I have time to do that. And then I can go in and get, I have my entire goals for this year into pillars. I have my four main pillars that I'm working on. So it's been a really good goal setting method because I know exactly what's important um, and all the other stuff and all the other clutter that I'm getting, it's just starting to melt away. So that I'm able to work on the things that are important to my goals and I'm able to move them forward. And you know that feeling when you're really productive, just having that feeling. And then so being able to do, work on the business stuff in the morning and then do the client work in the afternoon and then have time then for myself before I go and collect my son from crash and be able to, you know, actually take time for some self-care, whether that's a massage or acupuncture or facial or, you know, something like that where I get time just for me and then have, whether it's time with friends in the evening or whether it's just more family connection time. And then just, I think like I love learning in the evening. I love spending my evenings dedicating that to learning a new skill or learning, you know, doing a course. That's kind of what I use my evenings for. So that's, I mean, it's, I'm not asking for a huge amount. I just think the overarching perfect day for me is one where it feels like there's lots of space in between the various tasks that I'm doing. Okay. So why does it look unachievable right now? Because the business has gotten so much busier and I have been brought into an alliance of different consultants in this country who are all working in the food industry to to help turn around struggling uh, family-run businesses or food producers. Mm -hmm. So I've been brought in as their new product development, their recipe developer slash um, branding and and marketing specialist. Mm -hmm. And so the level of admin that's currently coming in from this alliance is, it's up to my my level of admin so much. But then on top Mm -hmm. of that, I also have a side business where I'm bringing in passive income um, 
So that's what pays me, you know? So th- there's a huge amount of admin involved with that. So I've noticed that I have more clients now because this alliance sends me clients. I'm mm-hmm. way more clients, way more admin. I'm, I'm doing an, uh, client workshops with them. I'm out in their factories. So it's just the time before all this happened was very nicely stretched out. And now everything's feeling really, really constrained. Mm-hmm. And it's constrained because of client work or because of admin? Both. I didn't have this level of admin and I didn't have this level of client work, but before the second half of last year. Would you consider, and is that even possible, for some of that admin to be done by somebody else with marginal or significant training? Yes. So one of my goals for this year is to have a virtual assistant or a personal assistant. By June of this year, I want to have one in place. Cool. Fantastic. So if let's say you had a virtual assistant by June this year... Mm. How much did you write down exactly all the things that you do so you can know what percentage of your work can be dedicated to this virtual assistant? Uh, I haven't written it down, but I know exactly what that work is. It's all everything to do with my invoicing. It's mm-hmm. it's dealing with the passive side of the business. All It's stuff like that. So my invitation would be is write it down first because here's what will happen. When you write it down and you go, okay, these are the 10 items that I will be able to task off to someone and then mm-hmm. let's say 30 items that you do, that's about 30% of your time, sometimes even more because some of those tasks actually take longer than other things, mm-hmm. right? So what you're really doing then is you are finding how much of your time gets free because of that. And when you find how much time gets free because of that, you are more likely to hire that person in February versus June. Yeah, yeah. Because you go, oh crap, I get 40% more time, 30% more time, 50% more time, than what I'm currently engaged in. It may feel like an expense. It may feel accelerated, but this is so much more value because I'll be less stressed. I'll be higher performing for my clients. I will have more time with my kid. I'll have time for myself. I'll have time for my partner. So that incredibly feels a lot more powerful as a place to operate from versus saying, oh crap, I'm like buried under work. And the next mm. time I'm going to get help is June, which is like six months away from our conversation or five months away at least from our conversation. So what if we wrote it down and saw how much possibility would open once we get a person to help out with tasks that actually does not need that much training and can be done by other people? There's a thing that somebody, is, is that sometimes we don't realize is, Growing a business is a lot about building a team. It's a lot less about marketing. It's a lot less about even products sometimes. It's a lot more about the team. If you can hire a team fast and well enough, you will grow just because the team's going to do things that you can't do, right? So if let's say this 30% goes away from Pia's plate, the mental clarity that it brings to Pia by that 30% task not being, which might be bureaucratic, red tape, very you know, admin style tasks, which is not the creative output that we require from PR to have the greatest output for PR's work. What would happen is that your business will not grow by 5 or 10%, it'll grow by 30 to 60%, which will well pay for that person and then some more. So actually what you're saying is by getting the outside help, by hiring someone, you actually propel the growth of your business rather than needing your business to... Yeah, that's an, a really interesting way of looking at it because I always had in my head I need to have my business up to a certain point in order to pay for this outside help. So the math you want to do is you want to say let's say for example if Pia makes and I'm going to give hypothetical numbers this is no way reflection of your true income but let's say Pia makes $10,000 a month let's say hypothetically right and Pia works say 
80 hours, uh, not 80 hours a week, because that would be insane, but let's say 50 hours a week. So it puts a little mm. bit higher than normal hours, right? That puts you at 200 hours for the month. That puts you at about 50 bucks an hour. Yeah. Right. Approximately. My math could be wrong. So don't quote me on that. But let's say you're 50 bucks an hour. Let's say getting an assistant is 25 bucks an hour. Mm. That's what right? I plan to pay. Yeah. So, which you can very well hire, especially in Dublin, right? Yeah. Even in America, you can hire where people are paid a little bit higher. I think general average income is a little bit higher here in the US mm-hmm. from what I know. But let's say if it's 25 bucks an hour that you were able to pay someone that were able to take 30, 40%, your income will go up and you're not actually distributing an income to somebody else because you're actually getting somebody who's paid less than you are per hour. Mm. Does that make sense? So you're actually yeah, completely. making a profit straight away on this expense. You could even go, if your income was 25 bucks an hour, you could still hire a person for 25 bucks an hour because what it's giving you is time, and especially if it's a service-based business, which is the business that you are in, it's the business mm-hmm. that we are in is when you are a service-based business, your time is the highest value that you can dedicate to someone because you are trading time for money. And that is the season Mm -hmm. you are in. Once your business scales to a particular level, then your time that you put in for money builds a product and then anybody else can deploy that product. PR doesn't have to show up for it. But initially, it's your time that gets you paid, right? So what is the highest value of your time? Your highest value of your time may not be the $25 an hour task because then you might as well work for somebody being somebody's assistant and you'll have a better life, right? But if your time is valued at 50, 100 bucks an hour, 200 bucks an hour, then you want to go, hey, let me hire somebody for 25 bucks an hour so I can have all this time free, even if I don't do any work in that time. It's more valuable to me because what's the point of building a business where we don't have any joy, right? There's no space. What's the point of building a business like that? It's like, and don't grow your business if that's where you're ending up being, right? Because I mean, it's not going to be like, it's not going to be joyous. You might get some accolades at some other person's place and society might see you as successful, but they're not the ones who truly define success for a person. That's not a road to fulfilled life in a way, or at least not in my opinion. And I feel like you're on board with me there. So, so my curiosity would be Pierre is when you write it down and you find the 30, 40, 50% of the tasks that you currently do can be given away to somebody else with some training. So initially, mm-hmm. there might be a season where you're working really hard again, yeah. mostly to train someone. But a month or two months later, if it frees up 40% of your time, wouldn't it be worth yeah. the investment? Oh my God, it, would, it really would. And it's I just had this June date in my head because I'm like, okay, that's going to give me enough time to build up enough revenue so that I can do this. But you've actually made me realize that bringing this person in will allow me to build up the revenue in other areas, doing things that I enjoy doing. Because I hate that ad, that admin work. Mm-hmm. So that's that's beautiful, Pia. So that's, that's amazing. So we are at a place where we have found or we will have you find your perfect day. We've found a way to hijack time, I think, right? We've found some model mm-hmm. around it. What else is constraining you or makes you feel like, I can't have this perfect day just yet? It's that I feel like my ambitions are so big for what I'm trying to do. And I think that... When you say big ambitions, do you mean by money? Do you mean by impact? Do you mean ambition means what? Impact. So it's not money. I want enough money that I'm comfortable and I don't have to worry about money, but that's not what's driving me here. It's that I can see the vulnerability of our food systems. And I've seen a huge degradation over the last... 10 years and I've seen so many family-run businesses go out of business and when we have less choice and less players in the food chain that's a really dangerous place because well our entire food system will be in the hands of a few companies and I can see that happening 
So I'm mm -hmm. really taking this on myself as I just know that because of my journey and where what I've learned and where I am right now, that I'm in a good place to help solve it, at least for this country. You know, all I can do is, is help people here. And then maybe that can become a model that can be used in other countries. But it's such a huge ambition I have of wanting to make it a, a food industry a really, really good and interesting and profitable place for, for family-run businesses to operate in. And mm -hmm. I'm like, is that just too big? Like, you know, God, Pia, could you just take on something a bit, a bit more achievable? It's not, but it's totally achievable. The ambition is there, so somebody can chase it. And to chase yeah. it is to achieve it in some regard. Uh, whatever the expectation is, the expectation that you may have of yourself, but the journey itself is powerful. Let's take one step back as to why does it feel like that your ambition is so big that it's not achievable or it feels like you can't have a life because you have a big ambition? What's the conflict here? Is it because it's too big and you don't feel it's achievable? Or is the conflict that, oh, I don't have enough time to achieve this. I can't have a balanced life if I want to achieve this ambition. Yeah, it's it's that one. It's that if I want to do something this disruptive and this impactful, mm -hmm. do I throw myself all in? Like, you know, and just do like what I read in all those business books, these, these men who just threw themselves all in. And I'm like, I, and I I know I just I can't like I'm not going to sacrifice my family for this, mm -hmm. you know. And don't, I, yeah. And you shouldn't. And neither did they have to. There's yeah. choices that we make, and choices are made because of many different circumstances in our life, including the hurt that we may have experienced as we were creating something or as we were growing up as human beings. So my invitation for you would be to consider not only listening to men. Yeah. I, Secondly, I, yeah. to consider different profile of individuals that are wildly successful and have made the choice to have a great family life. Yeah, yeah. Or I any other kind of life, great health, great family life, however that is. Yeah. And also to consider that there are always rule breakers and rule makers. Yeah. And that yeah. you could be one of them. And that's what I would love, Ajit. You know, I it's just, I, I grew up in this world where women after a certain amount of time would take a step back in their career. And I was never that person. I was always so ambitious. And then when I had a baby, I thought maybe that ambition will go away and I'll be happy being a mom. And I love being a mom. It's the best thing ever. But that ambition hasn't gotten less. It's gotten more, I think, because I want to show my son that women can own businesses and that women can be CEOs and that, you know, and that it's not that very traditional world that I would have grown up in and would have seen. So I want to give you a little bit of history to draw context to what I'm about to say that may hopefully change the perspective that you currently hold. Yes. So what happens is that there is a season of development and then there is a season of um, demonstration, right? Yeah. So what you're seeing is a season of men's demonstration in a way. And the reason why you're seeing that is because traditionally, they are the only group that were being developed for a very long time, I would say until probably the 80s or the 90s, right? Around that time is when there was a big shift, the, the feminist movement, the movement of equal rights, all of that stuff started to develop a lot more globally everywhere. And some countries were ahead and some countries were behind, but generally the trend started, right? Mm -hmm. And when the trend starts, that goes into the cycle of development. Cycle of development is not a single generation cycle. It takes two to three generations, at least two generations. Yeah. It might be expedited now because of technology, but we are looking at still a generation for development to fully happen. So, for example, if you would look at, even when I grew up as a child, I had more female teachers in the education system yeah. 
than male teachers, right? Yeah. While it may seem insignificant, mm. what's important to note there is that makes generally, if there's a not mature, but interested enough man, he would understand that I have to respect women, yeah. right? Not everybody is like that, of course. But what I'm saying is that made me respectful for women because they were my teachers. They were the people who taught me things. They were the ones who held me. The story of me even realizing that I can be more than an engineer actually comes from a female vice principal of my school who was kind enough to tell me that I actually have more to me than to follow the same routine that everybody else was doing in my class. Yeah. It was actually a female that empowered a male, right? Yeah. So development cycle-wise, there was a season of development where there was already some leadership being demonstrated, right? But the real change, it's already happening and it'll happen more so in the next 10, 20 years is because if you look at data right now, there are more women that pass through universities. If you look yeah. at the overall workforce, there's 54% is female and 40 mm. 6% is male. It was the other way around just 20 years ago. It was 56% male or something like that. I could be wrong with the exact percentages, but something like that. It was inverse. And now it's inverse. What happens when workforce itself inverses? Mm. Leadership inverses too. It just takes time, right? Because to yeah. get to leadership takes 5, 10, 15, 20 years, right? But if the workforce has already changed, in no time, leadership is also going to change, yeah. right? So there is a natural change that has happened in the balance of what success or who becomes successful, at least in the general overall viewpoint of the world, right? You may see there's biases to certain industries still, like a tech industry, for example, because it still yeah. tends to be a little bit more. And so it will take a little bit longer, maybe. But if you're talking about general, I mean, look at even our industry coaching, like yeah. there's more women than men. Right, yes, 100%, right. You can see any group, right? Mm. And they're more leader females as well than men leaders, right? And if there's a man who's leading, yeah. they are somebody who's not like, oh, I'm going to show you on the man. He's not that kind of guy. He's somebody who's like very gentle, very understanding, yeah. understands both sides. It's not the rah, rah, I am the man type of person who leads communities like these, all right? So there is a balance that is already naturally happening and it will continue to happen. Now, the important thing that one must note is when this change is happening is that everybody that is in the system gets to redefine the standards of the system, right? Yeah. So you are somebody who are right now to redefine the standards of what a successful person looks like, not man or woman, but a successful person mm -hmm. looks like yeah. and feels like and be like in the food industry in, say, um, Europe, right? Or in Dublin, if yep. you're specific yep. to the city or however that no, is. No, no, Europe, you want to Europe define is it, right? Yeah. Right? So if that's the story, then the bad thing about it is that you have no historic reference point that you should consider as that's the standard, right? Because that standard came from or was from and especially, I, I don't know how farming as an overall setup is, but in my head, I'm going, well, if men dominated any industry, they probably dominated the farming industry too, and they're usually men. And so if that's the case, well, the standards that were defined were by a male's perspective, and not only a male's perspective that had the understanding of balance, it's probably the male's perspective where it was the understanding of power like yeah. we talked about, right? It is yeah. about control and power. It's about certainty and power. And so if it is about power, what makes somebody who's not mature enough to truly understand power or soft power, they would mm. think power is about domination. And when yeah. it is about domination, what do you think they will control? They'll control money. They'll control time. They'll control yeah. that I am busy, so you must serve me. 
Yeah, right? yeah. All the narratives that we think is the truth of building a business is what we would always create as the narrative, because that is what we would say is the cost of success, right? But it has very little to do with the understanding of success or the new understanding of success. Yeah. So who is to tell us that money can only be made if money was the determinant of success? Let's say it is for a hot second, right? To kind of like really lean into this dialogue of how success is defined by the outside world. Let's say money was the determinant of success. Who is to say that money cannot be made by an individual that may be smarter, faster, more aligned, and can build teams faster? Do you know why so many men feel so threatened by women in workforce? Because they are better leaders, mm. naturally. Because they have nurturing abilities naturally. Like biologically, yeah. they're designed in a yeah. way where they can lead very easily. Not, not easily, but definitely have an easier understanding of people because they're mm. nurturers. Yeah, and guess completely. what leadership is all about? Yeah, true. Completely. So Pia, yeah. my, the reason I gave all that history and what I wanted to get to is that what would it be for you if Pia was the person that would define what success looked like, felt like, was like in this industry? If I was able to define what success looked like, it's having a job that you love. That mm-hmm. to me is success. And it's having employees that you love working with and they stimulate you and you have great conversations with them. There's none of that politics crap, you know, and that you're excited going in and you're making products in the food industry that make a difference. And it's not just junk and you're using great ingredients and you're having really nurturing conversations with your suppliers and your customers. Like that's where I'm trying to take my clients to, that it's not everybody killing each other anymore and fighting over price increases and this totally, and I've worked in the meat business for, for years. You can't get more male dominated than that. And so I'm trying to bring a lot more of this female energy. What I do is trying to bring the female energy into my client's world. Um, so that's what I see as success in the food industry. That's the definition. It's like living with this sense of balance and ease and space. So let's say you didn't look at anybody else's success story and you looked at yours yeah, and yeah. you defined success the way you just did. Does it feel a lot more in alignment and easy and in flow for you to now say what my ideal day will look like? Yeah, it does because so much of that that I don't need to do. I can remove a lot of that busyness from my day by empowering someone else to do a job where they work remotely. I don't need to own someone. I don't need to own their time. You know, I just need them to have deliver certain outputs. And I'm actually really excited to become an employer of a person rather than just myself. You know, I think I could be a really, really good leader and allow someone to work in the way that, thank you. Just I remember talking to my boss in the meat business and I was working from home a lot. And he's like, you need to stop working from home. And I was like, well, why can't I? And he's like, we don't have a work from home. (laughs) And I would get one. They didn't because these were all men who had their wives at home who didn't, their wives didn't work because they didn't need to work, you know, but I just didn't live in that world. And I want to help create a working world for not just women, but for parents. Because I see my own husband has these struggles, you know, he's pulled from his job where things are more imbalanced. And it's not just, it's totally unrealistic to ask parents to be gone from, you know, eight to six every day. Mm-hmm. It's unrealistic for human beings, especially as the future of work continues yeah. to evolve. I mean, there was a yeah. point, yes, our society and technology wasn't adapted to be able to do that. Not anymore. Yeah. Not for yeah. everyone, at least. There might be certain jobs and certain things that require that kind of effort, but 
yeah. a lot of us don't, like especially the individuals that live in urban areas, can be much more flexible, I would think, because they're not really working a field, which also yeah. maybe it's optimized. I have no idea if you actually have to work the field that hard anymore <laughs> or not. So you're super spot on there, yeah. And the reason why I wanted to bring us to this place is because that gives you that permission to say, that there is no reason for you to look at somebody else's definition and story of success. It's good to learn from them. And learning is not always the lesson they learned. It's also the mistakes they made, including myself, right? I'm 100% sure I've made a ton of mistakes and I will realize them over time. And somebody who studies me would study that and find that as well in Mm. their life. Oh shit, yeah, Yeah. that's where I just messed it up, right? And that's perfectly okay. That's being human. Now, my final invitation for you is to understand that the creation of anything, your success, your business, your like creation of the next baby Mm. happens in the timeline that it needs to happen. Mm -hmm. Right. And the deterrent to joy in a way or deterrent to living in joy as we create things or the joy of creating things is the urgency of needing and done yesterday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or having success happen today. Right. Mm -hmm. Success, however you define it, takes its sweet little time for it to be created because to create success, which say is a top of a pyramid, it must create a strong foundation at the bottom. Yeah. And to create a strong foundation at the bottom takes several long hours, days, sometimes years. Right. So that foundation, and by long, it doesn't mean long work, it means long life. And what you want to know is that if that foundation is not there, the peak is not experienced. Yeah. Right. So while we must have an ideal day for three years, five years, we must also suspend the idea that will manifest in the timeline that we suggest it should manifest because we in no way know the work that is required to create that success. Yeah, Success is not only about tools, tactics, and strategies that may give you some financial success, but the true success as you and I define it is also a growth that happens within. Yeah. Right. And that growth within sometimes can take very long time, even if we know what's the problem. It takes a while sometimes to make that shift. So my final invitation for you is to spend a theoretical timeline that you may have given yourself, and that may be creating a sense of urgency and a sense of anxiety yeah. for you to go, oh, this must happen now, or mm. I will miss my chance. Yeah. That's not how life is. Life gives you several chances, and it will always continue to give chances till the time you're willing to take them that time. So give yourself permission and give yourself grace is what my final invitation for you would be. Pia, this has been a fantastic conversation. Our time's kind of towards the end. Is there yeah. something that is present to you, highlighted to you, anything that you go, wow, that was great takeaway for me, or this is what I'm going to do forward or something that you captured? Yeah, that last thing, it all came together with that last piece that you said that I am putting all this pressure on myself to fix all the problems in my history, have the second baby, be the great mom, be all that. But really, it's all a staged process. I don't need to have this all done within the next couple of years. And even though I'm not saying that to myself directly, I am acting like that is the reality of my situation. But what all I need to do is put one foot in front of the other, make sure I serve this next client on Thursday as best as I can, and then the next client, and then the next client. And then in the meantime, get someone to take away a lot of that admin work that I don't need to be doing to give myself that space. And then when I go and have a second baby, all of this is still going to be here. Yeah, beautiful, Pia. It was wonderful talking to you today. I Thank you so wish much, you Ajit. the best for the rest of the evening. Have fun time with your kid and I'll see you around. Okay.